Yes, what is cracking, y'all? Welcome to The Chosen Ones. I'm your host, Joseph Richard Powell. I will be interviewing incredible human beings who are making an impact, living a life they love, and are hella good at what they do. From base camp to the peak of success, we are closing the gap between life barely lived to life on fire. Let's go. Hello, everybody. It is Joe. We are back with another fantastic episode. I have a gentleman on the podcast today who immediately, when I saw what you were up to, I think it was maybe on Instagram, I sent you a direct message right away because I knew that I had to talk to you about this subject. Correct. His name is Kuda. I should introduce him. And what we're going to be talking about is uh, what he has recently launched, which is called Coffee with Kuda. And I'm also going to pick his brain and we're going to learn a little bit about how he ended up where he is. But before we get into this, kind sir, thank you so much for for taking some time with me. I know you're a busy guy. It was hard to get you on here, so I'm glad we were able to. Joe, thank you. I I just want to quickly share the reason why I'm I'm so keen to talk to you. And then I want to let you just kind of introduce yourself. And and I have a lot to learn about you as well. I wanted to save it for the episode. Um, Yes. And, you know, we did have a brief discussion and you told me about all the incredible things you've done in the past with volunteering and and giving back and and why you do what you do. So I'm really keen on hearing that from you. And so essentially, I'm very passionate about people who we were talking about all kinds of subjects, but the topic came up here here in Vancouver with the opioid crisis and um, even just drug addiction and alcohol addiction and mental health and we were even talking about people who are in prison and, you know, I'm, I'm a, a bit of an activist, so I'm keen on criminal justice and reform and, and all that good stuff. And anyways, we were talking about, I brought up a point of something I'm very passionate about that I feel like is overlooked so often in we're so quick to label people with addictions. And even if people are in prison or, or whatever, you know, we're just so quick to judge people on where they currently are or how they ended up in a place and a lot of times we dismiss the, the the reason or what has happened to them in their life that may have led them to to that point. It's close to me. I've, I've fought my own battles in my own life, so I can really speak about it in my own personal experience. And I have really good, close friends who I grew up with who are battling with with serious drug addictions as we speak. So I'm, I am in that world. And these are all good people. And for anyone, you know, I don't think anyone on this planet truly wants to be bad. I don't think anyone wants to be a killer. I don't think anyone wants to be a, a addicted to drugs. And I think it very quickly when we learn the stories of these people, we can instantly realize why it is that maybe they ended up where they did. You know, there's exactly. there's so much to it. And when I have these conversations with people, instantly I realize that it's, it's obvious. Of course, you would end up on a path maybe like this, and, and I would have too, and anyone yeah, would have yeah. too if they were in those exact shoes. So I'm really, really passionate about giving people an opportunity to tell that story, and not just giving them that opportunity, but also me as a human being to listen to that story. Exactly. And that's just something that's always, I, I don't I don't necessarily promote that. I don't have any businesses around that, or I don't really volunteer around. That's just something that is a passion to me and in what I've seen in my own life. So when I came across what you do, it was a no-brainer just because I'm so passionate about it. And to see someone who's actually taking that seriously, especially here in Vancouver with with the crisis we're dealing with and 
being the person who's willing to step up to the plate and and lead that discussion, I just have a, a so much respect for you, and I just want you to know that. And and I you're just that. you're changing the world. And and this is one voice that we get to hear of these stories. It can transform our entire perspective. For, for you know, we're it's so easy to generalize. Uh, someone who might, you know, just a drug addict, or, how, or, or, you know, just to say that they're all the same. But when you hear these individual stories, we can change that perspective for for everyone and very, very quickly. Absolutely. So, yeah, I just really, I just really appreciate what you do, and it it sounds like, and I'm still learning, and we're all going to learn here together exactly what you do. But it sounds like you are the person who is solving that problem that I'm seeing every day of giving these people a platform to speak on, to share where they're coming from. And that's just what I've kind of gotten very briefly from, from researching you. But yeah. but yeah, so with that said, I'd love to let you, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm here trying to guess guess what you do. Why don't we just let the guest <laughs> explain no, firsthand? Man, so yeah. You, you've put it correctly, um, rightly so. The key is to let these people speak their mind. Do you know, it's almost like myself, I was born in Africa, right? And I'm here in Canada. But then it's like you being Canadian, learning about Africans in the books, according to someone who went to visit Africa and came back, etc. It's compared to just saying, hey, Kuda, what's Africa like? It's uh, the very most simple, basic thing that you would do to learn about Africa than to go and read these books and uh, find out what Africa is like. So that's what I decided. Um, the more I come across uh, people who were in addictions and the more I talk to them, then I say to myself, why don't you guys be in the forefront and share your stories about what leads to addiction? And the more I speak to them, the more I find out that uh, the youth that I work with, they are at a risk of being the next person who falls into addiction. So... Let's teach this youth from this individual who tells you that, um, yes, my mom used to go to a food bank to get food and I was, I didn't have shoes, I didn't have the nice things, I was jealous, I was bullied in school. And by that I had to stand up for myself, A, B, C, D. When I'm hearing from a, a youth at my youth program, I'm saying to myself, you don't even know it, but you're actually at a risk of being in a path of someone who does go into addiction. So let's uh, let these people speak and teach us so they can prevent a youth from becoming the next addict. Let's listen to these stories so they can empower someone who's currently in addiction to learn how they conquered addiction itself. And then now... They are the people who are at the forefront of a wellness program, right? As well as um, now you've taught a youth who may be at the risk of becoming an addict. An addict. You have uh, empowered an addict to know that its uh, recovery is possible. Now, what I find is even most important is you have taught the community about what leads to someone to becoming an addict. Because if we all know as a society what can lead to addiction, we can come together and say, wow, when I was bullying that person in school, I was probably a root cause of that. 
when they don't get the support, so what kind of support am I talking about? The support doesn't have to be people giving things. The support doesn't have to be volunteering necessarily in the community, but a sense of understanding that, like you said, wow, this person probably did not have a chance. Now, when we come across them in the street, don't give that judgmental and run across the street kind of thing. Do you know what? It's okay. Just like how when, I, when you come across B and I come across you, why do that to, when, when an addict is coming across? Just to respect them as a human being. What they don't get while they are addicts is respect from the society. We just uh, treat them like addicts. And from then, you're hearing words like junkies. But when I hear a story from a person who's saying, um, my dad was an alcoholic. He failed to raise me to be the man. I, all I've ever wanted was to become better than him. But because the situation I'm being raised in does not groom a person who can be better than an alcoholic. Now, I became worse than my father. When I hear a story like that, even I feel bad for even saying, you are a junkie. That alone is what we need to start saying, like, whoa, wait. I, I, couldn't, I shouldn't have called this person a junkie. I have to understand that, wow, they have no chance. So how could we help these people? First, don't look at me as a junkie. Look at me as a person who've always wanted to be better than dad. But then dad did not have the right tools to raise me. And I became the person you see today. Alone, even if I'm not going to go and volunteer in a homeless shelter or anything, I'm just becoming informed and educated and we destigmatize. That is one of the most important keys. By doing that as a society, we come together. For example, you look back at the history of, uh, let's say, uh, like, let's say, racism back in the 80s, uh, not the 80s, like way back then, when they were saying black people can't, let's say, go in the back of the bus. Mm -hmm. Something as simple as that, it took a case of, well, no, let's let black people not just sit at the back of the bus, they just, anyone can sit anywhere. Something as simple as that. You're not giving a black person anything. You're just looking at them as a human being. And these are some of the most simple steps we can take because it doesn't require actually someone to do anything other than just looking at people on an equal playing field. This is one of the most important goals because it's true. Not everyone can go and volunteer, not everyone, but the least you can do is respect the person. Absolutely. And something that that makes me think about is even just learning in the world of activism recently and originally having the idea of, you know, we have to do more, or, you know, what can I do to kind of physically be out there, which I think is fantastic. And part of that comes from maybe you're, you're raising awareness on social media and then you get these people who kind of say, oh, you're just a keyboard warrior. Why don't you actually do something about it? And it makes you think like, what can I actually be doing? But I've come to learn that just speaking up, using your voice and whether it's on social media, no matter where it is, the power in, in simple awareness just saying how you feel and sticking up for what is right and sharing stories and talking about the idea 
we need to really appreciate how powerful that really is because even if people may not understand or even if they don't agree with it, it plants a seed. And if they're if we're if we're planting seeds everywhere, you're planting a seed, and then you know we go somewhere else, and and someone else is on social media talking about the same thing. It's only a matter of time. I think we're quite resistant as human beings. Where it's funny, I, I kind of sometimes I'll use a scenario where someone might give you feedback and and it offends you. Yeah. Where you know they tell you something and and it's constructive criticism, but you know when they first say it, you're like, yeah, whatever. Like you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. But there's a good chance you're going to end up listening to that and you're probably going to change your ways. I think a lot of it is there's a lot of people who just don't know how to accept it. But it doesn't mean that it's not getting the effect that it's supposed to be having. And I just, I really value, I, th- I think just the conversation and the awareness has so much power in it that yes. sometimes we say if if it's just a conversation or we're learning about it, just how powerful that really is. So with coffee with Kuda, what so is this you are you are sitting down with with someone and they're sharing your story and just let me know if I get, if I understand yeah. this correctly you're, you're you you meet with these people you sit down with them you give them an opportunity to speak and the goal with 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 this project is to share the story and to show people this is just a human being who may not have have had the privileges that a lot of us have had and then you're using that to help other people who may need to be overcoming the struggle that they've overcame and also with youth as well. Right. Uh, so, do you know, um, one of the things to really try to understand is this. When you hear some of these stories, not only do you hear the story of uh, this guy was raised in an alcoholic family, but you actually hear stories of people who say, I was abused at home by a friend of a family member. I was sexually abused. So, and I was always sexually abused. This person actually, one of the guests on my episode, she has siblings. They didn't know that she was sexually abused. As life went on, she ended up as an addict. My point to that is, understanding and hearing these stories actually can inform you that That addict could have been your brother. It could have been your sister. But literally, because some people go through these things and you as a sibling won't even know what's going on. And then when you see them, they don't participate much at home. They go lock themselves in the room. You're just saying, she's so spoiled. She just doesn't listen. It's because you're not listening to her. You're not talking to her. Sometimes you have to listen when someone is not talking. When you do that, it gives you so much more room to say what is going on. So my point to this is, not only are we trying to understand so-called junkies, but I want you to understand that this could be your brother, this could be your sibling, like for real. So now, by listening to them share their stories, they say things like, Nobody actually sat down and understood me and listened to me. People thought I was crazy when I said, I told my mom. So we need as a community and as a society generally to give people more time so we can listen to them. And unfortunately, we're in a day of social media now where if I see my brother's not talking, whatever, I'm on my phone, he's on his phone, who knows who cares. Mm-hmm. But sometimes it's in their silence where they're crying the loudest. 
where we need to go and talk to them and see what's going on. So then to answer your question about uh, the project Coffee with Kuda is, I, di- I have come across people who I do know they were in the life of addiction. And by talking to them so much and just hearing their stories and also being, um, I've saved so many people's lives with uh, naloxone. I've seen so many people die because you are, you are unable to save them. And I'm also a soccer player. So in my community here, we lost a couple of kids from drug overdose. Not only that, some kids were shot to death from selling drugs. So things like that was so frustrating to me because all we ever say is take kids through sports so they don't do these things. But what happens when even those who are playing sports are also the ones who are selling drugs or are the ones who are using drugs? And uh, I have a girl that I'm very close friends with and she was telling me she was dating a guy. And one day she said, hey, let's go for it. They were going for a date. The same guy, she calls, hey, what's up? Where are you? Where are you? He's not picking up. He's not picking up. Until the boy's mother calls her and say, he's overdosed in the washroom. What that tells me is this guy, again, he was going through his own issues that he wasn't speaking up and wasn't saying to anyone. Because when it comes to addiction and using these kind of drugs, someone has a problem and going through certain pain that they can only run away from while they are that high. Mm -hmm. So, Kofu with Kuda, I realized that it's a lot of learning through books. It's a lot of being informed that um, neurotransmitters do this, when substances do that. But some things are just so basic that we just need to understand each other. Mm-hmm. That's why when I'm speaking to these people and they're telling me in the community, yes, because I'm just a very curious guy. When I see an issue, I'm just saying, but why, but why? Because remember, I, I grew up in a family where don't do drugs. Hell yeah, I'm going to do drugs. Do you know what I mean? Even if I dare think about it, I feel like I'm getting whipped for thinking about it only. So I wouldn't even. Mm-hmm. So when I ask someone, but why do you do use the drugs? And they tell me their stories. I'm, from my own community, I feel like we don't understand this. And when I say my own community, I'm talking more on the African side of it. We don't understand it. But am I the only one who don't understand it? Then I speak to everyone and say, do you know, here's what I'm hearing. Then they are also shocked. So, yes, I find these people. I talk to them and say, listen, I would have loved to talk to someone who's um, right now in addiction deep in it. But maybe they won't tell me the whole thing. But I want to hear from you because you've gone through the addiction and you've actually conquered it as well. So now you're speaking to three different types of groups, like I was saying, as a, growing, as a person growing up to a youth, as a person who's actually in addiction right now, then teaching that person how do you recover, then also telling the society as a war that um, here are some things that are not easy to understand. One of the guys said they were drinking alcohol, that's why they were all they knew addicted to alcohol, then because alcohol, then you become all lazy and stuff, 
they would use cocaine. The more they use cocaine, they're like, oh, wow. Alcohol, you drink and then it lasts only this, but cocaine does this. You go higher. Mm-hmm. But then they said, the more I use cocaine, the more I realize I can't function or I can't sleep. I want to go to work. I want to <laughs> go out with my friends, but I can't sleep. So they started using cocaine. They started using heroin. Before you know it, they were addicted to three different substances. Mm-hmm. But we as a community, we don't even realize that... Um, Number one, this person went through their own social challenges growing up by not having a good upbringing. We failed to help them. Then now when they got addicted to alcohol, here's where life failed them. Mm -hmm. And then before you know it, they're addicted to heroin, the one substance that is taking so many people's lives. Mm -hmm. So hearing these stories is ridiculous and we understand now wow, we've got to do something today. Yeah. And yeah, and I think too, it, it's complicated, but like you said, it's very simple. And when you hear these stories from some people, you say, oh, I get it. You know, within a few minutes of hearing someone's story, I get it. I understand exactly why it, you would, like it makes sense to me why, of course you want to be numbing some feelings or trying to distract yourself from this if this happened to you. And I think one of the things I've learned in some of the, th- you know, becoming certified in a few different types of therapies is trauma can doesn't have to be this massive event uh, necessarily. So if people are young and they go through something, if it's a divorce, you know, their parents are divorced or there are a lot of people, if it's sexual abuse and many serious things that, that could happen, but sometimes it can be something small and we don't actually, I, I you know, I use small in, in the term of, uh, it's it's not small, but we look at it as maybe not considering it a trauma, but really it can be something quite small that triggers these brain mechanisms that want us to travel this path. And I also know from experience just how once you get on that path, and for me, like you were saying about these other people, it was alcohol with me as well. And it turned out to be, from a younger age, just a very common thing. A lot of my friends were were drinkers. And then over the years, it becomes normal and it becomes more and more normal. And then alcohol is not enough. So then you start using, you know, and then... I also consider, I think for myself, my personality, and I think I do have an addictive personality and I see that with work and with, you know, personal development and that side of it as well. So I think if you tie that into it, maybe you just had a hard time at one point in your life and then you get on this track, but it's very difficult to get off of. And even, you know, in my own personal experience, I was on that, on that path of traveling directly towards where a lot of these people currently are. And right. I, I was lucky. There was a few, you know, I would consider myself lucky at a few occasions in my life where I had maybe a close call or something had happened to me where it, it woke me up a little bit. And I was lucky enough to make a sharp turn when I hit the fork in the road right. and and sorted it out. But I can very, very, very easily see even the way that my own future could have easily went. And it could have been much, much different. Man, yes, you're making a very good point because um, to this day, I have even friends that I grew up with that when they took that left turn, it just kept pulling them. And then now you, I sit back and ask them questions and then it's like, how did you continue going through that road? Mm-hmm. But maybe I was fortunate. And you know what? I started to look back and realize that I don't remember seeing this individual's parents at all, mm-hmm. right? How often were they involved in his life? Mm-hmm. 
My parents, on the other hand, they were the ones who were constantly there saying, guys, make sure you don't do that. Guys, make sure you don't do that. Sometimes we get, we all get in trouble and they all get angry. But then we look back now and say, I am so fortunate that they continued pulling me back, right? But um, another individual just did not have that. And to this day, I talked to him. He's been in and out of jail now. He's using... He tells me how he's been abusive to these girls and he just can't get a grip on, on it. And the funny thing is you talk, you talk to him and he says, I know what I'm doing is wrong. But then you realize, wow, as an adult, there are certain things that we may know they are right or wrong. But because our subconscious did not receive what's actually right constantly, because mm-hmm. well, your subconscious doesn't really know what's right or what's wrong. Mm-hmm. It just acts on what it is fed. Mm-hmm. And that's also the power of addiction, where no matter what it is, if it's food, you know, I know I, I don't want to be eating this right now before bed. I don't want to be drinking right now. I know it's not good for me. You know, I think that's when you really realize that it is serious is is when it becomes something you know, if you're drinking, but you enjoy drinking and you do it with your friends, it might still be a problem. But when you get to a point where you're drinking and you don't want to be, that's, that becomes a very serious problem. And, and I think just addiction, and I can only, I'm not, a, I'm not a professional, I'm not licensed to speak in this field. I can only speak from my own experiences, but it's a very serious thing. And, and I think you bring up a really good point as well about the, our environment, what's happening consciously and subconsciously. And one of the things that really scares me is, and I'm very cautious of how I speak um, around things like medication, because I, I know medication can save lives if it's depression. I, you know, I know people who, who specifically have told me very clearly that that medication has saved their life, but it's a, it's a very serious problem you know, where heroin was, has always been so common and still is in cocaine. Now we're seeing these opioids where it scares the hell out of me because I know my personality and I could just imagine, and I have, you know, I do consider myself like serious ADHD and OCD. And I know that even taking medication for that would help me drastically. You know, I, fi- I feel we have superpowers in, in, in having these things as well. So I, I love that about myself. I love the, you know, the rambunctious wow, energy that, that I get. But I know for sure if I were to get on some of these medications, I would be in big trouble. And sometimes with... And it's just, this is just kind of a taking a little a trail off, but even going back to things such as as someone does something wrong and they go to prison, and to avoid the the conversation around the mental health aspect of it or why they ended up here, and then putting them in prison with all of these other people, or if it's drug addiction, and then we're using addictive drugs to get people off of addiction, we're we're putting them in this environment where we're not giving them a chance and we're not making it any easier. So it just stuck out to me when you said how, you know, we constantly need those positive affirmations every day, like because it's a constant, constant battle and the brain is very powerful. And if it's not serving Mm us, if you and I are here or if your friend, like you were just saying, is talking to you, he's probably in a pretty powerful state, but that's not the time when the brain is going to kind of, flip on you and talk you into into using again. It's going to happen when someone, you know, when you're down on your luck or when you're tired and you're exhausted and you're and you're beat down and you start getting these negative thoughts and and 
you know, the brain is very clever like that in, in, in working to get what it needs. And unfortunately, a lot of times the brain doesn't know what's good for us. It just says, we, we think that you want this because our brain is telling us this because you're addicted to these chemicals or this feeling yeah. or whatever it yeah. might be. And I think that support network is, is, is so powerful. Yeah. Um, yeah. I also wanted to add that um, as well, a, a, the brain itself, there's a way of upbringing that we cannot skip. That's why, for example, with um, Sigmund Freud and these guys, that's why they pull out these uh, studies out there. So a child who's from this age to this age will go through this part. Mm-hmm. And you have to let them go through through that part. You will guide them as an adult, but expect these things to happen. Mm-hmm. From this age to this age, you will expect these things. And then up to seven, between 12 and 17 years old, that's the decisive really chapter really there, right, where mm-hmm. they're almost shaping their own life. No, I was just saying, so there are every stages of uh, maturity that we must all go through, right? But... Um, if we skip certain stages or if we suppress our children, those stages, they will come out regardless. Mm-hmm. So you'll find that um, one of our interviewees says is right, be- between zero and six years old, love and compassion must be shown to these children like non-stop. Mm-hmm. Because that part, unfortunately, it just needs it. We've got to show them, hug them, cuddle them, everything, affection, if you don't give them that, it's okay. It will come out later anyways. Mm-hmm. And then later now, it is coming out, it's a hug through heroin. It's a hug through cocaine, things that makes them now feel good, that calmness that you didn't give them before in the past. And mm-hmm. one example I like to give is um, Michael Jackson. Whatever success he has achieved in life, what will always be overshadowing him is the scandals about uh, sleeping with young children. What we fail to understand is Michael Jackson, a 10-year-old Michael Jackson was living the life of a 21-year-old. He was getting this money, he was going on tours, he was doing mm-hmm. this. They did not let a 10-year-old Michael Jackson be a 10-year-old. Go ahead and have sleepovers. Enjoy that time. Mm-hmm. Explore yourself. The unfortunate thing is when mm-hmm. the ability came to now explore myself and just go for sleepovers, it came, unfortunately, in his 40s when he's tired of the success. Now, can I please mm-hmm. be a child? Because the child keeps coming and say, I want to be the child, mm-hmm. right? Because my point to that is these stages, they come out. If you suppress them, it's okay, but they will still come out. Now, we need to teach the community at large that Love your children today and hug them. Otherwise, they'll look for that somewhere else anyway. And that's why there's, a, there's always a joke about, uh, let's say, mm-hmm. prostitutions and um, women who are, pros- uh, who are like, you know, who get into dirty stuff. They say they're having daddy issues. It's been said as a negative connotation for a long, long time. I hope, though, that the community can now stop joking about it and start understanding that, yes, this female did not have Mm -hmm. a dad around much. So how can they be educated? And also I've heard on the other side of not girlfriends that I've dated, but friends who are girls, you know, girlfriends who have said about guys having mom issues. (laughs) You know, they can't deal with uh, 
commitment or there's something going on with them because it's the same thing on, on the flip side of, of the parent as well. And I, and I totally agree about some of these stereotypes that exactly. are that way for a reason or, or the reason we use these. And it's like, because that is such an obvious thing. And, and I think, and you're absolutely right about, we should be looking at this from a different light instead of making a, it, it can be a joke. That's fine. But there is some merit to some of these things. Exactly. So now that you guys have joked about it, that means usually most jokes come to some from some truth, right? So that means if there's been this truth, mm-hmm. maybe, and I'm actually uh, looking to doing this with Kofi with Kuda to start interviewing some street workers and say, I don't want it just to be mm-hmm. a joke like, hey, daddy issues or whatever. Fine, daddy issues, but tell us about it and maybe tell us what mm-hmm. daddy should have done just because mom and dad break up doesn't necessarily mean that one has to be out of the picture for the good of the child. Mm-hmm. You know, I just had a, an idea pop in my head and I think it could be quite incredible uh, just because you are, the way that we get the best information is from doing what you're doing and talking to people who are there. You, you are learning more from what you're doing by speaking to these people than any textbook, any psychologist could ever. Yeah. You could do 20,000 hours of psychology and you're going to learn more by sitting down with someone, looking at, looking at them in the eyes and hearing their story. And with you doing that, and you might already know this, but it's very likely that we're going to see a lot of common trends in the sense of what happened at stage A that led to stage B. And... I love the direction you're going with your proactivity about working with, like taking this, how can I take a proactive approach to working with youth? And I want to talk about that because I've done the same thing in my coaching business. And speaking from a proactive perspective, once you speak to these people, you know, we're, we're very complex beings and the body is very smart. And it's funny, as you get older, you realize, okay, we don't ever grow up. I still do feel like a 10 year old. I still, my feelings get hurt. I still want to be loved you know, we carry that with us our, our whole lives. And it just, I think on the biggest picture here, what we're realizing is some people just end up in these situations. It's not because they want to do, necessarily want to do drugs and they want to be addicted to drugs. It's just simply that something happened and this is how they reacted to it. It had yeah. nothing to do with the drugs. It's all about what happens before. But I think if you travel this path with what you're doing with speaking to people like this, and you work in these different areas of talking to someone in drug addiction and even specific drugs, and then you work with with people who are, if they're working on the streets or, or, or whatever they're doing, you might come to a point, and I imagine you will fairly quickly, maybe not extremely specific, but you're going to start noticing some common trends from if this happens... And I think you're kind of doing this, but to to a level, like if this happens to you at this age, and you've already said this at the start, you're you're more inclined to travel this kind of path. But taking that information and just being very proactive with it, which you are doing with with these conversations, but to a level of really figuring that out of if you if you have A, B, and C, and maybe there's a personality type, like for myself, if I feel like I have an addictive, you know. I don't know. I need to learn a lot more about myself in terms of addictive personalities and maybe if that's tied to OCD or, or where that comes from. But when you add, you know, A, life experiences and B, your environment and C, your personality type, you can almost guarantee that you're going to be X. And 
I think there's something really powerful in that with you if you travel this path and you want to be speaking to these people because it's almost like you're doing it anyways. What can I get out of this and making notes of what I'm learning and how can I put all this yeah. together and then, you know, a, and then pay that forward. And I, I do think it sounds like you're already kind of doing that, but that's just incredible. Yeah. So, um, I didn't have plans for it, but, uh, the more you do it, funny enough, like you said, you just figure it out yourself, right? That, uh, it seems like it's more important than to do ABCD. So before this, uh, we just started the YouTube series for the sake of talk and be informed. Then um, now we just uh, put out a website now, coffeewithkuda.com. And now on this website, we now are going to be saying, here is what we are hearing. Here is what we are finding, right? Because now that we've already taken this step, mm -hmm. it's, it becomes almost necessary to put down exactly what it is mm -hmm. that you're finding. And that's why um, we... Mm -hmm. brought up the website. I mean, it's not fully finished right now, but um, it was just nice when, uh, what is it, uh, Vancouver is awesome when they featured us on their, um, on their website. I think that's where I saw, actually, I think that was where I first came across what, and then I read it and I said, I got to talk to this guy. This is such, a, such an incredible <laughs> thing to be doing. Yeah. Right, exactly. So when they put us on their website, well, you start to realize, well, people are paying attention. Now that they're paying attention, you may find that it's important to answer some questions before mm -hmm. they are asked. And here's where we are now with this website. We're saying, if you come on our website and then you read and you want to know more about, let's say, opiate addiction, let's give them this information. Uh, if they want to know about um, stimulants, let's give them the information. Not because we have to go do any research, but we're being informed anyway, we're mm -hmm. being told. So now if you don't have time to go and listen to 20 interviews, that's okay. We'll just put mm -hmm. it over here for you. So you're definitely right. It does, um, we, we automatically, I've now had to put this information together and say, what is it mm -hmm. telling us? Right, yes. That, for example, if I hear something there that really closely relates to me, and then I realize, but I was able to come out successful because of this he wasn't able to come out successful because of this the equation still mm -hmm. works out yeah and uh, that's where i find that you're definitely right and i do hope that i will be able to put out information even on our website that's useful to someone who just wants to yeah. understand what yeah and like you said and and, and not just necessarily for the person who might be headed towards that path but for society to learn about so that they can intervene and do their part to, because we're all a part of that process. Like you said, if you're that bully, if you're the person down the street and you're the person that yells at someone in the grocery store that's in front of you in the line and they just broke up with their girlfriend, like, you know, we are all contributing to each other. And what you're doing is just, you know, teaching people how to listen to others and be, show some empathy and and show some compassion. And it's so, it's so easy when, it, I don't know. I just think it's it's really powerful yeah. in in that sense of the platform so that, you, that you're. While you're there, actually, one of the things I re since I started this, and I started this when uh, late in late twenty twenty. One of the things I I've, I've now stopped doing is I no longer beep my horn in the car when I'm driving. Mm -hmm. If someone <laughs> cuts me off, you know what? It's okay. Yeah. I don't know what you're in a rush to, but I hope you get there fast. Yeah. 
Now mm-hmm. the idea of how dare you cut me off, how do you... The thing is, you don't understand that this person has their own problems that they could be dealing with. Do you know what? Mm-hmm. They could actually be rushing to the hospital because their wife has given birth or something. Mm-hmm. If he had yeah. known that, you probably would have slowed down yourself. <laughs> to yeah. I say that because one of the person I interviewed, um, this will be this won't come out unless in like a couple of weeks actually, maybe four or five weeks. But he said, and it still pains me to hear this because um, he was dating someone who died in his bed while a one-year-old is upstairs just because they chose to do cocaine together. So they did cocaine. She was so small, they used too much cocaine. So her heart pound was, well, the heartbeat was just too much that she died in bed. And then he woke up at, in the middle of the night, the child is crying upstairs. He's saying, hey, go and wake up the baby. He's crying. Mm-hmm. Only to realize that the girl is dead. Mm-hmm. And I come to that moment like, and this is the second person who died in his life. Wow. I'm coming to my conclusion, like, the people that we see acting a certain way, reacting a certain way to things, they may be going through situations just like this guy. Mm-hmm. But because Absolutely. I'm so stuck in my own life, hey, man, mm-hmm. I got to run, I got to go and interview someone. <laughs> nah, dude, this guy is running because his wife is probably in the last seconds of her life. Yeah. So you realize that uh, don't always just think about me, me, me. That's why, like, and sometimes my wife, she's saying, yo, that guy is cutting you off. It's okay. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm okay. Mm -hmm. He's okay. No one died. He's in a rush more than I am today. But then tomorrow, if you're in the hospital, I'll be driving just like this guy to rush to save Mm -hmm. you. Yeah, so, and it's, it's also for, I mean, and I, I'm the exact same way. I'm very conscious of that. Of course, it, it's easier said than done some days. <laughs> it's, a, it's a battle every day, but um, it's also for your personal peace. I find if when I get worked up over someone else, it I feel worse after. So it's just kind of like, there's a selfish, yeah. a lot of things I'm learning in life, you know, I, we do for selfish reasons. And I find being kind to others, there is a benefit to that. And, and uh you know, making the world a better place, it makes you feel better. (laughs) If that's the reason you do it, go for it. But here, listen, I want to, when we wrap up here, um, not not just yet, but we are going to be putting all the info to how to reach you so that people can really dive into that. There's one of the important things that I want to touch on before we do leave is the point of this show, which is also learning about the earlier days. So we, I know what you're up to today. Mm-hmm. I respect who you are as a human being and how you've gotten to, to, to doing what you're doing right now. I am always very curious to learn about the people and how they end up here. So you told me, you know, you, there was a lot of incredible information that you shared with me about all the volunteering you're doing. I love what you do with youth. I did the same with, um, so with my coaching and helping people to discover purpose and live with passion and enjoy their lives. Once I figured out kind of the the model for how to help people in that area, I went down a path and, and it all started with myself and my own journey of why was I lost for so many years of my life? Yeah, and I learned this in my own story about just being lost in my own life and mm-hmm. learning, okay, how do I figure out what do I want to be doing here on this planet and and figuring that out for myself and then wanting to share that with other adults who may be feeling lost in their life and then getting to a point where 
how can I take a proactive approach? I'm working with all of these adults who are anywhere from maybe 25, 35, 55, and they're at a point in their life where they may, they're not sure necessarily what they want to be doing and they're not happy and they feel stuck. And, mm-hmm. you know, we only have this one incredible opportunity at life. We need to be enjoying it as much as possible. And I work with these people. So eventually I get to a place where how can I take a proactive approach to this as opposed to meeting them at this point in their life? What can I do to, to kind of save people that those 30 years of their life that it took me, you know, to keep running into these realizations of I'm, you know, it's the, I'm going down the wrong path. And that's when I came to, okay, I'm going to start working with youth and I'm going to create this same program and teach them what I didn't really know and what I kind of learned the hard way. Now with what I've learned, one of the things that I did run into is life experience and maturity are big parts of knowing what we want to do. You know, we have to do enough of what we don't like in our life and we need to learn who we are before we can understand what we enjoy. So I think we do have to be mature and we do have to be adults. And and I think I, I call it the second phase of life where the problem is, and I talk about this in my book, but I'll just say it very briefly here is we are asked the most important question of our lives at the age of, you know, grade 10 or 11 at the age of 15 of what do you want to do with your life? We don't have the emotional or mental maturity to be answering a question like this. We're, our brains, our, our prefrontal cortex doesn't develop till we're 25, which is our our decision maker. So we're asked to make this question. We have no life experience. We don't even know. We haven't even had a job yet. Yes, and we're yes, expected yes, to yes, say, yes. this is going to be the path for the rest of my life. Now, I understand why it is that way because we have to make a decision and life is going to go on. So yeah, yeah. I understand it. The, the problem is we get on that path life gets busy. We have children, we get married, we get a house, we have bills. We get so busy. The system is great at keeping our heads down. And, and, you know, before you know it, it's Friday again, and then it's Monday that we never lift our heads up again from that one decision and say, wait a minute, Mm -hmm. I made a decision at the age of 15. I'm 35, 40 years old right now. And I'm still doing that. I never even wanted to do that originally. And what I've realized is the problem isn't that we are asked the question too young in life. The problem is that we never go back to asking ourselves that question at a time in our life when we're capable of answering it. Wow. And that's when I'm meeting these people at 35 years old and 40 and saying, this is when your life starts. You think you're kind of bummed out and you don't like the direction. Now you know. You know who you are as a human being. Like, I love aging. I love being in my 30s. Like, my 20s were a mess. My, you know, 18, 19, it was a mess. I know who I am right now. I feel like I'm three years old because I just started learning who I am in the last few years, but I love it. And the more we know who we are, the more capable we are of answering that question of what do I want to do with my life? Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, so the, anyways, a bit of a tangent there, but anyways, we did travel the same path of you and I, we think similarly of let's problem solve and how can I take a proactive approach to this of setting, and I love, like, I love working with youth. I love the energy And there are future generation. If we want to make the world a better place, we have to help our youth. And the fact that our school systems are the way they are, the fact that we don't pay teachers the money they need to be getting paid to and don't give them the resources, but we're buying wars. And it's, you know, the world is, it's it's hard to live in sometimes with the way that it, it runs. But it's people like yourself that have that compassion, who care about the youth, that are going to make the changes that we need to see. And yeah. we are headed in the right direction, I, I do truly believe. So, I hope so. sorry for that tangent. That Here's what I want to ask you. I want to learn about young Kuda. I want to hear a little bit about 
how you got to where you are today yeah. and who is that human being? Because there's a lot of people who are where you were then and want to be where you are now. And I want to help them to close that gap. And I want to promote what you do to as many yeah. people as possible. Because I can tell you're passionate about what you do. I love talking to people on this podcast because I can see their love for life in their eyes when I'm talking to them. And I don't see that in a lot of people when I leave this podcast. Yeah, yeah, and I yeah. want people to enjoy their life and love what they do like you do. So I want to promote people to travel that path. And to do that, we need to learn how you traveled your path and yeah. any tips that you want to you know, help them with to get them there. Uh, I think uh, that's a very good question. And I do agree that uh, we are probably on that same path uh, together where you see a problem and you want to solve it. And um, one of the things... Funny enough, just growing up, I was always told I, I debate too much. I like to get into these quarrels and these arguments like, no, I'm right, I'm wrong, you know, you're wrong. But uh, one of the reasons I think I'm saying that is as I get older now, I'm kind of like starting to see that I'm just never satisfied with what I see. Like, it's always like, okay, fine, we're doing this, but let's fix it. There's always some, there's something wrong with it. So that's just who I, I always grew up with, that little debating mentality and stuff. Of course, now, fortunately, like you said, the older you get, the wiser you get. I actually do sit back and hear someone. And sometimes I feel that uh, people just cannot, I don't know why, but giving someone a chance to speak and just listen. When you listen to them, even if you disagree completely, understand why they believe what they believe. It is absolute key, but as a society, we fail to just agree on that. A Muslim and a Christian have to debate and say, my God is better than your God. No. Maybe he is, I don't know. But let me tell you about my God. This is who I know. Mm -hmm. And this is all I've ever known. The Christian said, he is my God, and this is who I've ever known. That's okay. Now that you both know that, keep moving. And uh, uh, yeah, that is such, that's some of the best advice I've ever heard in my life to even for just learning as humans. And just to touch on your point, if you want to use religion or any example, when you ask them, my religion's better or my religion's better, and I'm not religious personally, but if you're having that debate, you get to a point when you hear someone else, it's not because they don't like your religion. It's probably because they think their religion is going to take care of their people and both people have the same views of mm -hmm. why they like their religion. So then you say, you and I are the exact same person and we, we both like our religions for the exact same reason. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and same with your president. Like you like a president because he's going to look out for you and your family. That's so cool. you and I aren't, aren't against each other. We both love our families and, and we're actually the same person, but we need to become one and we it, it's all about the power is in one. And I do think there are things in our society that do intentionally try to divide us. Like I feel like we're sometimes we're 10 years old by I'm blue and you're red and exactly, I'm a liberal and you're exactly, conservative. Like exactly. how do we get there? And if we were all one, we would solve this, the world's problems in, in 20 minutes. So you know what I realized is that um, it's okay though that you're a Muslim and you're a Christian none of us has to try to switch each other up because it is because of your religion why you are today. The reason why I'm speaking to you is because for some reason either I respect you or I like you. 
So I shouldn't try to change you because your religion has gotten you to where you are today. Mm-hmm. All power to you. Just like, um, and like you said, everything's about divide, divide. No one has to be, I'll use the American politics because it's the fun, most fun to watch. I've never heard of a Republican, maybe they are, but a Republican who then says, oh, now I'm a Democrat. Sometimes mm-hmm. so is that Republican who then just maybe votes for Obama, but they remain a, a Republican. Mm-hmm. Or a Democrat who then says, okay, fine, I do like Trump's point of view, so I will just mm-hmm. vote for him, but they remain Democrat. But the thing is, that's okay that you are who you are. Or then this fighting, that's where I'm saying, I grew up as a guy who likes to debate and say, no, my side is wrong. My side. I still am the guy who likes to say, here's my point of view. But I'm also willing to hear what your point of view is. Mm-hmm. When I hear your point of view, I have to sit back, listen, and really let it sink. And say, ah, I get it. Mm-hmm. I really, really do get it. Because then that puts me to a point today where I no longer say, my parents always said drugs are bad. How dare you do drugs? I no longer say that. Mm-hmm. Right? I no longer say I was raised to say God is the only way. I still believe it. But I no longer say that you're wrong for not believing it. Because now, mm-hmm. the new Kuda now, the one who is past 25, has understood the other version, that's all they've ever known. That's mm-hmm. why they are where they are. So now, I like to listen more while I'm still standing strong. Because my beliefs, I stand strong on them. I'm just willing to learn. That's why I say, as an African, we grew up in a, you're raised by a village. Everyone helps someone. That's just who I was. Subconsciously, remember, I can't take it out of my mind. That's just who mm-hmm. I am today. I come here, I see a system. I'm like, man, this is so bad. These guys are all homeless and stuff. How can we help them? Mm-hmm. Now, since I disagree with it, let me understand them why they're, oh, wow. Okay, I can't tell you don't use drugs. Because number one, if you stop doing heroin today, you're going to go into some shakes. Mm-hmm. So maybe so I understand why you're now using it. Mm-hmm. You cannot tell an alcoholic stop using alcohol because they can actually possibly die. So now it's okay to understand why you help them. Mm-hmm. And that's where I think the old Kuda used to be that kind of guy. He has changed with the desire to help people. That's mm-hmm. just, I just grew up in a community where it's like, we got to help each other. My parents had 10 siblings. They all bring them to the Western world to help. So now yeah, I don't have anyone in Africa to bring over here, but I am around, surrounded by low-income people, people in addiction. How can I help those people? So, yeah, so you, you did sneak that answer in there. So this is something that's been instilled in you from a very young age, just that, and, and a lot of people as well, but you really took that, you know, everyone, we're always taught growing up, take, you know, take care of your your neighbor and and look out for your fellow mm-hmm. human beings. But whether it's the community that you were in, that you were, that you were raised in, where it's, it's taught to you on another level, but something it really did seem to have, it, it, synced, it did sink in for you and you really didn't carry that for And like I watch my dad, sometimes they're not, they're in so much debt, they're trying to make ends meet in this. But yet they were able to bring over 15 people from Africa to here, that means they're not poor. But as mm-hmm. I was, when I was young, I'm like, why do you guys keep struggling? But that's because the moment they got this little much, now how can we help other people not to suffer? Mm-hmm. Right? Wow. And now that uh, 
eight siblings from mom's side, eight siblings from parent from my dad's side that are all here, all the siblings that are doing very well. Now my parents are like, okay, now let's buy a house. Mm-hmm. I'm like, wow. Like, at first I'm questioning why would you? But then now I, I'm at this point, I'm realizing, well, why do I want to be just be the only one? And I think when you said, um, Kuda, how do you do it? Well, one point I wanted to really add is that um, I am privileged. And that's a, that's a stupid thing to say from someone who has so much debt. But I am privileged to know that every two weeks I have a paycheck. So when it comes down to it, I'm able to buy for groceries and um, make my payments. With that extra change, what can I do? Who else can I help? And I bet, and I bet you so much, there's so many people who wish they could. I'm just in a privileged position where I'm able to pay a videographer and a photographer to take a video of me while I'm talking to someone else. But I bet there are a lot of people who would if they could. Mm-hmm. It's just so that they don't have that extra change. Mm-hmm. So just like my dad, when they got an extra change, he helped. I hope with my extra change, I can then help and um, and help destigmatize addiction, first of all. And there's such an incredible lesson in there from your father and taking that route in the sense of, I wonder how much happier he is having his family together as opposed to having had, you know, because the mentality here a lot of times is buy the house first. And then what happens is we live in this house and we're all alone and we say, wait a minute, it wasn't the house. It's not the money. It's not the success. It's helping others and giving back. So it's almost... He kind of knew that, you know, he, I kind of think the secret to life and fulfillment is and, and happiness is helping others and giving back. And, and that it seems like he, you know, whether it's you don't have the big house off the hop, but how much happier are you when you have your family around and, and just knowing that you're helping other people? And that's just, there's such a valuable lesson there. Just knowing that, man, you know, he said, they said to me, they were sitting there and they were having breakfast, you know, and they're putting butter on bread. And they sat back and said, do you know that uh, your younger brother right now can't even do this? Literally, bread right now, mm-hmm. I can buy 10 loaves of bread and I'll probably throw five loaves of bread away and there's not even a single care. Mm-hmm. But then when you're in Africa, half a bread feeds the whole family. So now here they are, they're just eating bread. They're literally, they can't stop talking about this moment. They were literally putting butter on bread. And they mm-hmm. said, you do know that your brother right now doesn't even have the ability to think about buying. And they say they did not finish that loaf of bread. And maintaining that perspective is so powerful in gratitude mm-hmm. and and just seeing what we have, you know, to, that you said we just throw five away and we, and we don't even think about it. And one of the things I've said, and I've learned a lot about perspective in, in becoming an NLP practitioner. And a lot of times you th- we think we look up at someone who's, 10 steps ahead of us and we think I just want to be that person. You know, they're they're so far ahead. But we never consider that that person is thinking the exact same thing. It's not like when you get to that level all of a sudden you made it and you're happy. That's not how it works. No, and no, and there's no, even no, more no, problems no. at that point. So what I try to tell people is if you want to be there, I you can be in a better position than the person that's ahead of you by having just simply the mindset of gratitude because the person who you are wanting to be, they probably don't have that same mindset. If they do, I hope they do, but yeah. you know, gratitude is such an, an important thing. But here we're 
we're reaching the end here. I really want to give you an opportunity. Um, I just want to say thank you on behalf of human beings for the incredible things that you're doing. And when we start a project like this or a journey like this, we run into all sorts of obstacles. I'm sure you've ran into some already. I just, yeah, with that look, (laughs) I just want to say to you, and I hope you understand there's no obstacle that is bigger than what you are doing and to continue what you're doing because of how the end goal is so big with this of raising awareness and getting this message across. And there's really nothing more important than that. And however I can support you, however, anyone listening to this podcast, I'm sure you know we are one love in, in that regard of taking care of youth and showing empathy for people who may have had a harder time at some point. And we've all been there, so we know what it feels like. Uh, how can we reach out to you? What do you got coming up? Where yeah. can we find you? Give us all that good stuff. You know, while you're on there, just uh, one of the person who I was interviewing, and I cannot wait for people to watch this episode. He was in the streets, definitely banging, definitely selling drugs. And one moment that came to him when he was helping an older lady, old Chinese lady, get off the bus to go to the sky train, he was so, he was so sarcastic with her. Like, well, duh, the sky train is over there. And then she looked at him like with almost like, why he got to be so rude? And then he said, because he was reading a book, one page, one line that said, never miss an opportunity to help someone. He had just finished reading that. And then he, was, he did this. He said, he got off the bus with the lady, showed her where the sky train was, made sure she paid to go through, and then left. She looked at him and started crying. He went wow. back and started crying and said, I almost missed an opportunity to help someone. I say that because when you said um, you got to keep going and stuff, that's how I felt. When I started this project, I just said, do it. Then I realized how much uh, it's not cost me. Photographers are not cheap. Mm-hmm. Do you know, I went and asked for money. I was begging people. I went to non-profits who I think, wait, you work with uh, homeless people. Surely you'll be able to help me with, like, I was like, I was struggling. Well, no one did help except maybe a couple of people gave me 50 bucks here. But in that moment, when this guy said, never miss, I realized uh, when I said I was privileged, all I have to do, I guess, is go work a couple of more shifts at work and then pay the videographers. And to this moment, I learned from this guy, again, a former junkie, a guy who is part as a society, he taught me a lesson, never miss an opportunity to help someone. Mm-hmm. And now they, these former junkies, they don't miss that opportunity. They come and talk to me with the hope to help another addict. <laughs> it's ridiculous, mm-hmm. man, what you learn from these guys. Yeah, let me, and let me just uh, ask you this question as well because I want to ask on, on behalf of the listeners in, because we know how many struggles there are when you travel a, a journey like this and you try to build something and you're a trailblazer in that sense. How incredible do you feel? How much passion do you have in your life right now? How proud of you are, are you of yourself? Like, how does it feel? How do, are you enjoying your life right now? Like, because that's the, that's the point. So I tell love us about it. that. I really, really love this, man. Um, I feel so, do you know what I, I love learning, man? And when I'm talking to these people and I'm in this journey that's, has stressed me so much financially, and then I'm just talking to them, it is not even a concern to me. 
Like it is not even a concern because the love, the, do you know, these people, they are almost saying, Kura, thank you so much for allowing me to speak. Speaking alone and sharing my story is what I've always wanted. Mm-hmm. Because I'm seeing this person saying this. They're not saying it, but they're saying it because they're so passionate. They will speak for like an hour. While we're, I'm like, yo, I am overjoyous. I'm joyful. I'm grateful. I, I just thank God because I've been given the ability to, to have good social skills to approach someone like that so they can mm-hmm. have confidence to tell me so I can put their stories out there. Like... I can only say it this way, man. I'm beyond grateful to have the opportunity to do what I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love it. I really, really do. And um, I just hope that it. we'll see where it, where it goes, right? I mean, uh, I'm a huge believer that God does miracles. He just takes you. I never would have thought, as a person who was working in a bank a long time ago, and I'm like, why am I selling someone a credit card who was in debt? I hated that, but I was a good salesman. So I was doing very well in the bank. But I hated it. I was just like, this sucks. But now I'm selling someone hope that I know it's real. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's no price, like there's no price to that, man. Like it's And I huge. think when we when we find our path, things things push us in that direction. But when you're not on your path, and I've experienced this multiple times in my life, you will face resistance. And yeah. we really have to become aware of that of why is why is life and everything such a struggle? We have to look at that because once you get on that path and and there's a good chance that if you are feeling that resistance, you might not be in going on the path that you should be going on. And when you do, it's like everything has your back and everything just works the way it's supposed to work. And that's just, it's such a great indicator for you to say that, that you're on the right path. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. If your end goal is helping people and making the world a better place, you have found the the final the final path to <laughs> to happiness and fulfillment and enjoyment in life and peace and all everything that everyone's looking for in the world. I think I, I really want to say thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to even just share about it, right? Because, like I said, I love hearing people talk, and in my channel, they're all just telling me, and I'm learning, I'm a sponge, I'm in taking all this information, but. Mm-hmm. Um, you taking this opportunity to help me, you know, it's huge and I really appreciate it. I just, I love telling people about what I do. I love telling people about what I've learned because mm-hmm. I feel so privileged that this, in, this individual just trusted me to say, let me tell you about what happened. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Like so, I do want to say thank you so much for giving me the platform to speak about what I do. I do love it. I enjoy it. Honestly, if I could have done this when I first came to Canada eight years ago, I would have been. <laughs> but you know what? God has His plans. I had to go do some schooling. I had to learn, get life experience, like you said. Working in a bank was part of me right now. So this is just life experience that has taken me where I am today. We will always have regrets. The best regret to have is to wish that we didn't start sooner with what we're doing. So you, you know, it, that's a, that's a great thing. And yeah, we need that. Uh, yeah. We need those life lessons. We need the. We need to do what we may not want to do to build the confidence and 
the reassurance that when we do find our path that we know confidently that we're on it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So anyways, Absolutely. let us continue to support you, continue to help you get out there. Where do we find you? Awesome. So it's a uh, coffee with Kuda, K-O-F-F-E-E. So coffee has a K on it. Uh, coffee with Kuda on Facebook, coffee with Kuda on Instagram, TikTok, and uh, Twitter. Uh, we just have a website that uh, we are concluding right now. It's coffeewithkuda.com. All this is part of Espoir Society, which means, uh, Espoir means hope, espoirsociety.com. Over there, we work with youth. I do free soccer classes for individuals who are coming from um, low-income families and refugee families. That's where it all started, and I just could tell that there are more people out there who need my help. That's how I looked at it. So Coffee with Kuda was born, and I said... Let me see how what I can do with individuals who are stuck in addiction. And so far, I just love the people who I'm connecting with on TikTok, on Facebook, Instagram. People in Toronto are saying, how can I be interviewed? I have people in Pittsburgh who want to be interviewed. So it's like now people just feel like, hey, can I talk? Can I talk? Mm-hmm. Sure, <laughs> let's do it. So A lot of times, and you said it great there earlier, is that a lot of times people just want to be heard and they yeah. had, they never had that chance. And it's so for you to be that person to just not overcomplicate it and just be the person to listen. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, you know, these days and age going back to the basics is the most powerful thing we can do. And, you know, we, we're getting great with technology and advancement, but we're, we're leaving out a lot of the basic human needs and essentials in that process. And it's <laughs> important that, that we keep those. I started to add as well, like um, one of the ideas was when I was ta- when I was listening to Tom Bilyeu, he is a, yep. a podcaster. Imp- impact something Theory. Impact, yeah. impact Theory, that's yeah. right. Yeah, he's great. Yeah. yeah. I watch him and, but do you know him? I watch uh, Patrick Bed David on Value Entertainment. They do these talks, but they talk to people who are already wealthy. And I love that. The, what they're doing is they're teaching us how to be wealthy, right? So I do enjoy that. But every time I watch them, I'm like, wow, this is amazing. But then I decided to sit back and say, it's always the people that we know about already, the people who are, who've made it, the people who, mm-hmm. who who talks to the guys who are at the bottom of the barrel. Mm-hmm. Would Tom Billy say to this addict, hey, can you come and tell me your story? Mm-hmm. I hope he does. One day I hope he will. But that was just me. Like, I, I feel like we pay attention so much to everyone up there that we forget to people at the bottom there. Mm-hmm. So Absolutely. while Tom is working with those guys up there, let's look down there and start pulling all of them up. Because I guess mm-hmm. I'm in the middle class part. But why to this day do we have a law in the bottom of the barrel, you know, the, what we call them? Let's pull them up. So if everyone mm-hmm. can be middle class, we're literally in a world where everyone could be middle class if, if we really wanted to. Absolutely. And I think, and I've, I've had that. It's funny you say that because I've had starting a podcast, you know, there's how many podcasts and I always thank my, my listeners because there's 250 million podcasts that we can listen to. (laughs) But I actually had the same idea when I started a podcast. Am I just going to be another, the whole reason I started a podcast was I had the concept already of what I wanted to do, but Mm -hmm. I did think about how am I different? And for me, it was the same thing. I saw everyone's interviewing the, the top 1%, but my definition of success, which I think, in, which I think is subjective to the individual of whatever makes you happy and gives yeah. you fulfillment, I think is success. And I think the most successful people on the planet are people like yourself, 
people who are happy, who are passionate about their life, who enjoy what they're doing and are making an impact, those, in my opinion, whether it's, you know, whether you have 10 million, it, the unfortunate yeah, reality yeah, 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 of yeah, the planet yeah. is the people who are doing the best things on the planet have 3,000 followers on social media and the people who are in, you know, promoting sports cars and muscles and bathing suits have 30 million. So it's, but, yeah. the, you know, the happiest people and the most successful people, in my opinion, are people exactly like yourself who I want to start the conversation of, for me, again, in my life, taking the default path of thinking success and money was the direction to realize, no, no, no. It's about what do what, what makes me happy and what makes me happy is making an impact and helping other people. Exactly. Exactly. So I want to start that conversation with others of what makes you happy and he, here's the destination of how to get from point A to point B to, to true happiness and fulfillment and success. And that's talking to people like you yeah. and people who, who are on this show about they're making an impact, but they have passion for life and they have happiness. And when I talk to you and I see your face, I can see the happiness and I can see the passion. And that's all that I wish for anyone because, you know, we are on this planet for a very short time. We have this incredible opportunity. We have to enjoy it. And enjoying Absolutely. life is not that easy sometimes. Life's hard. and Absolutely. Yeah. So anyways, man, thank you so much for what you're doing. Please keep it up. You and I are going to be in touch. I'm going to be having coffee with Kuda for sure. <laughs> I look forward. Uh, yeah, man. On that note, thank you so much. Joel, uh, thank you so yeah. much. That means a lot. Yeah, man. All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We will talk to you soon. Peace. Appreciate it. Cheers. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of The Chosen Ones. If you did, if you could leave me a five-star review, it would mean the world to me. I know life is busy, so I truly appreciate you taking the time. Please also feel free to subscribe and share. You can learn more about me at mastersoflifesociety.com, where you can also find The Chosen Ones book and podcast, as well as on my YouTube channel, Masters of Life Society, where you can find the videos of these episodes as well as my social media shorts. And you can connect with me on Facebook and Instagram at Joseph Richard Powell. Thank you so much for your support. I love y'all.